Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic Indie Creator interview. It is your Cape Crusader, Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with our returning guest, Christopher Michael. We're here to break down Crit, Caffeinated Chaos, a D&D &D adventure story, and more. And holy crap, dude, you were interview number 10. It is officially oh, wow. interview 181. Oh, heck, uh, wow. that's crazy. What's been up? You know, how have you been? One successful uh, Kickstarter campaign later, I have issue five in my hand. Uh, very excited. This was such an awesome read, man. I can't, I can't tell you how excited I am to get you back on the show. Oh man, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad you liked the book. Uh, so what has been going on? Well, finished book um, five. That one was super long. That was a 60 plus page book. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I first set out to do that, it was going to be two books. It was going to be five and six. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find a good breaking point in the story to, to make that happen. And so before the book launched, I said, screw it. It's going to be, it's going to be a big book. Um, I can't, I can't do anything about that. And just ran with it. The, the covers came out immaculate. Um, I printed an amazing job on those. And I was able to actually start our next series in the back of that. So Mr. Wizard and Friends did debut in the back of book five. So I'm really excited about that as well. It's another D&D campaign that we have that I wanted to bring to life. Um, so that exists as a TV show within Crit. That way we don't have two different titles going at the same time. I like, love that. Yeah. I love it, dude. <laughs> they like that. I wanted an ecosystem and I really want anything that we publish to be like D&D &D related or, you know, written, have that element because I think that's something that's key to us and our process. And we were able to, to put together a, um, a script that I enjoyed. So that one is more, much more chaotic than, than, uh, the one we had, than crit, which is saying a lot because crit's pretty chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So speaking of crit, you know, give us a little bit of a breakdown of you know, who you are, your role, uh, in this comic and, you know, basic, a uh, basic concept of what it's about. Yeah. Uh, well, I am the, see, it's tough because I'm not really a writer. So I'm the dungeon master of our, our game. So I, I'm, I create the concept of the story and then my players do, you know, we, we play the game. So it's, it's very organic. Um, I'm, I'm the creator, I'm the artist, I'm the letterer. And uh, on book six, I am the colorist as well. I'm taking the colors. So I'm doing everything in book six. Um, uh, a couple of the guys do participate in the editing and organizing of the, of the book. So our process is a lot different than a traditional comic book. Um, mm -hmm. I record the sessions and then I storyboard according to that recording. So I have to go in and listen to six hours of, you know, uh, <laughs> tomfoolery and edit out what doesn't need to be in the book. You know, the, the hey, this is what I did this week because we we only play once a month. So. Mm -hmm one person will start talking about something they've done. You know, you have those with the boys, you know, I get it. Right. Some of that, that conversation does get into the book as conversation between the characters. If there's a place for it, if there's not, and it doesn't fit, then I cut it. Um, and then I'll edit some of the action because like in the, in the current book issue six, two of the players decided they wanted to go do something else. And what they wanted to do 
wound up being a dead end, not going anywhere. And when we were going into the book six, I asked the guys and said, hey, this never goes anywhere. You literally go there and the situation you encounter, I tried to open up this cool side story for them and they never went back into it. And I said, so we're opening up a dead end for a reader. And they said, no, we can can that. We'll just put some of the cool parts from that into this story, like the dialogue pieces. So I play with a puzzle for a little bit. I storyboard it out, send it over to the guys. They give me some input on, um, you know, what they want to see perspective wise, or maybe the flow, they might shoot some things back to me and uh, change a face. Mm -hmm. Most recently, they said one of the smiles I had was too Joker-ish. So I had to erase the face and do that. Um, So it's a very organic kind of team that we have. But I do the, I do about ninety percent of the work. <laughs> no, I, I loved uh, the dialogue. I thought the dialogue was a, a big selling point. It felt really organic. It felt like all these guys were were friends, you know. So I thought that was awesome how it translated. You know, after our first interview and kind of like not really knowing what it, you know, because that was our first like break into it. But now getting the chance to read it, having talked to you already about it, and seeing that in action and knowing how you guys did it. I, you know, I was able to kind of like break down the panels and be like, dude, this is so cool. Like, you know, the fact that you guys actually played this out, you know, all together and, and, and created this. Do you ever run into trouble with like any of the dialogue at all? Like, you know, when you're editing and trying to storyboard it or does it all just kind of come natural? A lot of the dialogue in there was set at the table. So it's already like organic and, and flows with the story. Um, at the very end, when the book's completely done, before I go to lettering, we have a read through and I get all the guys together on, uh, on discord and I share the artwork, you know, sometimes we'll start when it's black and white. Sometimes we'll wait till it's colored depending on where we're at. And we just go page by page and I have a script. So I send them a script and the breakdown and we just look at the script together. It's a live document on Google drive and I'll let everybody make some adjustments because you know maybe you didn't say what you wanted to say or you know there's a lot of different situations with it um and i i like that because then the dialogue still comes from those characters Mm -hmm. and those people sometimes you'll get someone that says oh you should say this there you know they give input on each other's things um but it keeps that personality of that character tied to the person so it's, it's very organic. That's the big thing that I want to keep throughout the entire story is just um, the personalities, the relationships, because really, at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of friends doing stupid stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just so happens to be the, the, the heroics and everything else that goes along with it. Um, and we don't, we don't really run into many problems. There's some situations where one of the characters will want to say something that just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. And then it comes down to like executive decision. Now that doesn't work. We can't say that. Um, <laughs> and that's very, very, very few and far between. But we do have one person who loves to just be like, I want to say something really stupid. And then we're like, no. <laughs> I think I got work. a good idea because there's one character in particular that has a lot of one liners. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you are probably correct. <laughs> 
So I, I, one thing I really loved and I remembered from our last talk is that there's really like a no holds bar with this. You are actively trying to kill uh, these these people in your your uh, your story. So uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit about that mentality and why you chose to go that route? Yeah. So as a dungeon master, um, I have a few different roles. One, I have to create the setting and the world that they're in. I have to create a fun environment for them to play in. And then I have to, have to actively try and kill them and challenge them. Those are like my three things that I, I have to do. And so, yes, in every book, I'm actively trying to kill them. Um, I've only succeeded a couple times. Um, they, if you if you play D&D, you know that some DMs are, uh, you know, hard rules. Some DMs will bend and, and mold the team. I like to have fun, so if my guys come to me with something that's very uh, reasonable and they can justify it, I can make it happen. So there's been some situations where I have two characters that go down pretty regularly, and they created a device that should allow them to heal, and they actually looked up like hard science things that are in the works, mm -hmm. and they're like, well, we have this science-based character, so he should, with his advanced intelligence, be able to make this work. And so, you know, later on that, that comes into play and then I destroy it because I didn't like it, but I let them have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I actively try to, to kill them, but I also try to, you know, create a, just a fun environment because mm -hmm. this is our one time a month to really get together, have fun and do something we enjoy. We don't get together to write a comic book. We get together to have fun and play Dungeons and Dragons. It just so happens that it turns into a comic book. Well, that is that I think, and I think that's that's great, you know, because uh, the one time out of the month, you know, everyone's looking forward to it. That's probably when you get some of the best like interactions throughout the group. You said earlier that you do about 90% of the work with this book. You know, what does that creative process look like for you? I know you said you listen to about six hours and and you break down and storyboard it, but like like when you're going through, um, let's say issue issue five, for example, when you were doing that, what did that look like from start to finish? Oh, wow, That's such a. And feel free if you, if if you want to yeah. condense it, feel free to condense it. Uh, you know, we we have we have some time to kill, so feel free to go oh. as as in depth as you want to, man. Book five. I began working on book five when I was actually working on book three. Um, I try to work ahead of myself because I already know where a lot of the story is going. But again, sometimes there are pieces that don't make it to the final book. And I like to make sure that when I'm dropping subtle things in one book, that they can be picked up again. Like I, I'm an Easter egg person. Mm -hmm. I, I love, um, I like weaving a story. Uh, even with the D&D game, you know, I weave the story within a story for them. And so I like to do that with the comic as well. So um, you might you might see something in book two or three and it might not even you know click with you or it might be a character. It might be a situation. It might just be a line of dialogue. But then it doesn't make sense to book five. And so if I put something in book three that I know doesn't come until book five, I like to make sure that I connect them and it makes sense. So like, I'll make notes for myself, like make sure this goes here. This is how this happened. Um, I actually created a wiki page for all this stuff because I have so many different things that I can go in and I can reference <laughs> when a character shows up. Um, and 
yeah, book five was just a huge undertaking, and I knew it would be. Um, I'm actually like I'm so proud of that book though because if you look at book one when I started drawing and a lot of people don't know this but I actually taught myself how to draw to make the comic I didn't know much about drawing prior to this I'm just surrounded by a lot of phenomenal artists so I was able to absorb information and learn but um, when I was making that book I was very single-minded I put everything into the one story mm -hmm. and then I never thought it would really go anywhere you know so as I got into book two and three, I was like, well, I know where we're going to be in 30 books from now. I need to start laying groundwork so that way some of this stuff doesn't come up, you know, at a left field. And some of the characters that show up in book five were in other books. So I really had to to plan. And, uh, you know, this is a geek show, so I can bring it up. I didn't want to pull a new trilogy of Star Wars and not have a plan. So yeah. I went in. Literally after I knew this was going to be a thing with book two, I started planning out that first chapter because I wanted, if people were going to read this book, I wanted them to get a full experience. So like chapter one, if you pick up the trade paperback, that's an experience. Everything's tied together. Um, there are still loose ends that trans that will pick up in book six, seven, eight, because um, I like to do that. I like to keep you interested. Mm -hmm. But your main, the main story, which in chapter one, they're taking on this uh, Masters of Mayhem, Alchemex, they're, they're fighting this. Um, that's their big bad. It's kind of like their origin story. You know, you take Marvel, they, they fight, you know, kind of different versions of themselves. If you think of big giant walking robots, a different version. Um, you know, I, I really wanted book five to have this impact, to close... A lot of questions create more and i wanted to have a lot of different elements so that's why i took so long working on it i wanted to have comedy i wanted to have these dark elements that the story does have because people think it's just fun and happy colors and yeah they shoot things and they fight oh things, it gets but... brutal <laughs> yeah there's, there's there's actual death in that book um there's there's uh, you know, really tough topic, like the, the very last page of the book, you know, is a character that, um, you know, ends himself by choice, given a, given a choice. And that happened in the game. Um, and so I had to make sure that when you were reading it, nothing felt forced, nothing felt chopped up because that was two sessions. Um, you know, we, that, that, that was 12 book, hours. Yeah. 12 hours of us playing. There was a lot of heavy dialogue that that prologue where it kind of switches art style and goes back to that issue zero art style. Uh, Nate did that. Um, the prologue was originally going to be its own book because I had about 18 pages, but it was all dialogue based. So I kind of condensed that into those, I think there's about 10, 12 pages. Um, I condensed it down and I wanted to be a, a prologue because, you know, a book just of them in a meeting room arguing for their freedom wouldn't have it, it there would have been some fun times but i felt like it, it, it was such a good um like bookend you know mm -hmm. I, I just felt like it was a, a better closer than just a standalone and so when i made that decision that's how i had to get nate involved because um as soon as i decided to do it i was like well hey if i'm gonna have a prologue we have issue zero right which is Nate, he's the only other person to ever draw in the book. 
And then so I, you know, I gave him the script for the prologue. And I was like, hey, I want to, when, when people read this book, they're going to open with your art and they're going to close with your art. And mine's like the filling in between. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so that was a lot of work because I can, I can do my own books all day long because I have the script up here, you know? But trying to take all, all that recording, putting it in my head, and then putting it into paper and giving it to somebody else, that was, that's stressful. Yeah, let's break some of that down because uh, you're used to being the, the one-man team, right? The illustrator, yeah. uh, all of that. So how was that, like, sharing that, you know, that role and that responsibility with another individual? Like, how did you uh, end up, like, working out your scripts for them? Um, well, luckily, I had done it before with Issue Zero, uh, but but Issue Zero, I, I had kind of drawn out origi- originally. Um, it, it was kind of a rehash of something mm-hmm. that I had created a long time ago. And so that one was a lot easier. This was harder because instead of rehashing something that I had already done, I was storyboarding and creating something new. And, and being that they were in a meeting room, the majority of that piece, I had to Give to, I wanted to give direction, you know, different angles, what you see, um, and that was tough uh, uh, because when I'm drawing it, I can just I can fix it. If I don't like it, I'll erase it and fix it. With Nate, you know, there, he's in Australia too, so I can't like <laughs> continually send these things for edits. I went really heavily detailed. Um, I gave him the, the dialogue. I gave him base dialogue. We want to editing some of that later on, but. I gave him how it starts, where it goes in the middle, and how it ends. And I gave him freedom to design the animal characters um, because he, he's also the guy that designed Bones. And I said, hey, I'm not going to design these guys. I'm going to give you artistic freedom. Just one of them has to have a hat, one of them has to have a vest, and a, a monocle. That's it. And he said, okay, cool. And he got it. And uh, I mean, we sent probably a couple messages back and forth. He sent me like some screenshots like, hey, you know, what do you mean here? Because there is uh sorry, I saw my eye. Uh, no, you're fine. Um, there's not a language barrier, but some of our slang here is different from them. Mm-hmm. And so he'd be like, what do you mean here? I'm, oh, okay, let me, let me, let me uh, clarify. But luckily being that I've worked with him before, we got it done very easily. It was just very nerve wracking for me. Cause I was like, I, this has to have impact. There's a couple scenes in there that really like they uh, they make the story going forward and they also create tension later on. And I was like, I want them to really have an impact. And we edited the last page twice because originally there was going to be somebody else in there. And because um, that last panel actually uh, that's a very important piece of the crit story. I would just put it there. But that character is very important. To the overall story and i had to have this like doubt and these questions and this kind of like subtleness there that uh some people will pick up and if not then in about 10 books they'll be like oh wow that's what that meant okay yeah yeah i love how you're laying that foundation like that uh and layering it like that for those payoffs it's important to me because i like i i go by what i like um you know, uh, you know, some people might know this, some people might not. I was, you know, signed to a, a record label for a long time. And the reason I got out of music was because we stopped making music that we enjoyed. We mm-hmm. started making music that we thought people wanted to hear. And that became no fun for me. So I want all of this to always be fun for me. 
I'm going to use and write the way, like use elements that I like. I'm going to write things that I like. And hopefully everybody else likes it too. You know? And if you don't, well, I'm going to continue making it. So you might like something in there. <laughs> you know, I think I read something where uh, it's like uh, the same parts of your brain you use to create art, or the same parts that you use for music as well. Um, so that goes hand in hand. That's awesome. Uh, man, you're just filled with uh, all, all sorts of secrets there. You went from being on a, a label to uh, creating books, man. How's yeah. that How's that been like adventure wise for you overall? Because you're this is your seventh book that you're coming out with, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So it was I mean, it was tough. Um, I hadn't played music in about 10 years and actually longer than that. And I was itching to like create stuff. I had, you know, I had my guitar for a while, but I hadn't played guitar in about a year. And I really had no creative outlet anymore. You know, there for a while, I filled that void. I, I worked out all the time. I did bodybuilding competitions. And that was like being creative to me was having routines and creating diet plans and doing that. But then I almost died and couldn't do that anymore. So, yeah, that's a whole other story. You, you need another 45 minutes for that one. Um, so when I started drawing, it it just brought this um, energy out of me that I hadn't had in a long time. And even my wife was very supportive. She was like, well, you haven't been this interested in something in a long time. And it came very natural to me. And I like the, like, like you said, you know, music and art, they come from the same side of the brain. And it's funny because I started my music career the same way I'm starting this career. I didn't know what I was doing. I lied. <laughs> that I, I told my band that I knew how to play guitar and I didn't. I pretended like I did, got in the first practice and they were like playing and I'm just sitting there watching, strumming a little bit. And I'm like, oh, I'm just watching. I'm just trying to, you know, this is my process. And the guitarist afterward pulls me aside. He's like, you don't know how to play, do you? Nope, not at all. He goes, I really like you. You're a cool guy. So we're just going to start practicing like every night together and I'll teach mm -hmm. you how to play. And he did. Over the course of about six months, I learned how to play everything he wanted me to play. And then within two years, I was doing my own thing. That's and crazy. Then, uh, That's crazy, though. Like to be yeah. able to do that, um, uh, especially like uh, with a, an instrument like that. Six months is remarkable, man. Uh, yeah, we would start at like four and end at like two in the morning. And his name <laughs> was Chris as well. Probably so sore, dude. You probably couldn't touch anything. Oh yeah, it was. It, but it was my punishment for lying to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, very few guys in the band even knew because he didn't want to embarrass me. Mm -hmm. um, it was. You know, he. he uh, him and I are still really good friends. I wound up leaving that band. We we all broke up. We had a record label give us uh, an offer that none of us liked. And we had been together for almost four years at that point. And, you know, in four years, people can change. You know, yeah, your yeah. life, especially we started that when I was 17. And so um, I was just about 21 when we left. I, actually, I was just over 16 when I started. Um, and everyone had started going in different directions. And, you know, some of us were like, hey, I, I don't want to be <laughs> in a in a van with any of you for five months. <laughs> so we all parted ways. And then um, I moved to North Carolina. I gave myself a year from the time I moved here to get on a record label. We were on a record label in six months and that record label got bought by Sony. So, you know, it all wound up working its, working its way out. And 
I guess, doing well for us. We got on Warped Tour. Um, wow. And, what yeah. type of music were you? The, you know, early 2000s screamo metal stuff. I, dude, so I, I had a, a early screamo band too. Uh, we had the opportunity. Uh, the reason we broke up, we had the opportunity to open up for I Declare War. Half of the oh, band uh, wanted to, half of the band didn't think we were ready. And mm-hmm. uh, like we we literally broke up because of that. You know what I mean? Because oh, wow. like it was like why why would you not take that opportunity? But so, <laughs> you know. I, I mean, I all right. So I played a show once where uh, the other guitarist put a second cab on my side, and I didn't even plug in. <laughs> I just performed. <laughs> Hey, 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 if you had the moves, that's all that's required. We have uh, Dan yep. Price over on YouTube stopping in to say, what's up, Chris? What's up, Cody? What's oh, up, Dan? Dan? Welcome Hello. to the stream. How are you doing, man? Yeah, Dan is awesome. He is the man. So, uh, yeah, let's let's get back to comics, though. So how did that all, <laughs> you know, like what, what, you know, made you want to get into it? Were you playing D&D with the boys or did that, did D&D come from this idea? God, they kind of go together. So, um in 2010 we tried to do a superhero game it just didn't work like the the superheroes are very overpowered if you're trying to play a traditional superhero Mm -hmm. Um, because everybody wants to be superman oh i should be able to do this i should be able to do that and creating rules and boundaries and limits on characters takes that superhero element and makes it no fun anymore because now i'm not super i'm still you know ground level vigilante um and none of us knew how to balance that yet. None, we didn't really have a lot of experience in D&D at that time. Some of us did, some of us didn't. So 10 years down the road, um, it came from me playing Spider-Man. Okay, all of this came from me playing Spider-Man on PS4 and seeing the progression of the character there. And in my head, I was like, wait a minute. I can just make a bunch of characters like this. And, you know, everybody's character is different. They have a different power set, but they all mm-hmm. level up the same way. And so that got my brain working and I was like, okay, so in D&D, <laughs> in D&D terms, right? Your adventurer, say you're cleric, right? You have the power to heal people. You can do damage. You can, you can do all these different things as a cleric. The only thing that makes him not super is the fact that everybody else in that world has abilities as well. So if you take the world with all these superpowered beings and you get rid of everybody else and just have one small group, now they're super and so i said all right you know how do i do this i I made the the game based off of them they were playing themselves they wake up one morning after an accident at work and they have superpowers what do they do that's exactly how i pitched it and the comic book wasn't even a thing it was just hey i really want to play superhero dnd because it sounds fun and you guys can play like yourselves and i hang up my (laughs) friends for the first time in 10 years because some of us hadn't even talked in 10 years. And it was so much fun that I picked up my tablet that like two weekends later and I just sketched out like some parts of it. And when I say sketched, I'm being very nice to myself because it was just very sloppy, um, <laughs> terrible, terrible artwork that I will never show anybody. And I said, okay, this is fun. And I say that, but when I drew it, I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. And <laughs> Three months later, I, I made a book out of it. And that first book is at the end of the trade paperback that some people got in the last Kickstarter. Um, and I showed that book to my wife and she read the whole thing and she looked at me and said, it's okay. My wife's a phenomenal artist. 
my wife and I were best friends for 11 years before being married. We were married for four years. So 15 years and I get after three months of hard work, it's okay. And not only that, but she didn't even look at me when she said it's okay. And she turned the TV back on. So it was like completely shut down. And uh, I was like, well, I guess I got to try harder. So I started book one the next day and I never looked back. Uh, and it's gorgeous, man. Really your, your hard work. I mean, like issue five, you know, came gorgeous foil. The interiors are gorgeous. I loved all the, the extras too. We have like trading cards, prints, stickers, like, dude, you went all out with this campaign. Uh, so how does this lead to uh, the, the next issue? You know, Crit Caffeinated Chaos, a D&D adventure story. Let's go ahead and put that pre-launch for anyone that is watching. Uh, and feel free, guys, to sign up uh, to be followed. When is uh, this going to go live, too, by the way? Actually, I go the, I go live the same day as Dan, October 12th. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Yep. That's awesome. We're doing dude. a joint launch. Um, it, it really is like the only day I can launch. I have this thing about launching on Wednesdays. And the next week, we're going to be at Comic-Con. And then I, ha I have like all this stuff coming up at work. And I was like, well, if I push it off, I'm not going to be able to do it until April. So I need to do it October 12th. And we're at 49 signups right now. So mm -hmm. I, I'd love that break 50. My goal is to have 75 signups before we launch on October 12th. So if anybody wants to jump in there and just hit the notify button, uh, I will be announcing soon what those early, the day one backer rewards are, because I am going to do a cool little um, day one. And Dan and I are doing uh, joint backers. We'll get a print that's being done by Dennis Valencia. So oh, you back so both awesome. our campaigns, you get this cool uh, print by him. Yeah, we're trying, trying a lot of different things in this one. Um, but you asked, you asked, how does book five transition to book six? Mm -hmm. um, well, at the end of book five, uh, Crit does become their own entity. They, they separate from their employer. And I won't give away why, you know, read the book. Um, but <laughs> they, they become their own entity. And so in D&D terms, I was like, cool, so you're leaving your your cash cow the people who pay for your weapons pay for your bullets because in dnd there is a um you know there is a, an economy and I, I made it easy for them by having their employer be the one who pays for all their adventuring and well if you leave your employer what are you going to do for work and so they negotiate you know a contract with the employer to be still on contract to do certain things but they're free to do whatever they want without them and they don't have to answer them anymore and I was like, okay, so we had this whole role play and it's in the book um, where they get their money. And I'm like, so what do you want to use all this money for that you, you just negotiated? Like you have a substantial amount of money, but now you also have no place to live because they paid for you for your housing. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're going to open up a coffee shop. <laughs> of all things, <laughs> we're going to open a coffee shop and it's going to be a superhero coffee shop. And I was like, well, you don't have the money to, they, they bought the building mm -hmm. so that way they would have a warehouse. And it's actually the, the building they almost destroy in, in issue one. Um, and so they buy this coffee house because it's attached to a warehouse. So they get the two in one deal. And then they're like, oh, well, we're going to open it. I'm like, well, now you, you need startup funds and all these other things. Well, screw it. We're going to turn our, our you know, van into a, like a, a mobile coffee shop. And we'll work on that until we raise enough money. And so in book six, that's what they're really doing is they part of their contract with with their employer is they're still going to provide service to the, service to the city so they're partnered with the city now they're mm -hmm. you know 
local law enforcement can call them and that gives their previous employer a bunch of bonuses and makes them look really good but their real goal is just to sell coffee and energy drinks and so that's what they're doing in book six is becoming small business owners and dealing with the drama of working in the back of a truck and all the I love how different it is. I love how different it is. Like I, that one of my favorite things about this is just how different each issue can be, and like the control you have with it. Um, and then added the fact that it's a D and D game too, so it's you. You don't know what's going to happen until you play it, right? Like you don't know the outcome until the outcome happens. I, I tried to control the outcome early on and it never worked, so I gave <laughs> up and I just said, "Hey, here's a scenario. What do you do?" And, and that, that seems awesome. to be working very well uh, because. They, we, we all like the same things, and we've been playing D and D for so long. We don't have the, we, I don't want to say murder hobo because we do have one, but <laughs> you don't have anybody that actively tries to derail your campaign. Um, there are games I've played where someone just doesn't care, and they just try to do everything to ruin the game. Uh, everybody here really wants to have fun. They like the team. And I do believe that the success of the comic book so far has made them appreciate the game a lot more and their characters. Mm -hmm. um, when they're playing or when we're working on the book, it's so funny because they'll be like, oh, Caliber wouldn't say this or, or like they own those characters so much. And it, it's made our game and our role play so much easier. Do you, do you find any issue though with uh, with them being maybe too much in character, like putting it on too much, uh, knowing that it's going to be in a comic book, and taking no, away from that organic? Try, they actively try to screw with me. Um, <laughs> they they try to push the limits to see what I will allow in the comic, mm -hmm. um, because I've already nixed a few things. So uh, in the back of um, the issue as well, in, in the trade paperback, there's caliber's corner and generally it's caliber because he's a very he's the guy that got us all into dnd so he's a dm he's a, he's a he's a lifetime dm and he knows the rules in and out and he loves to push the buttons so when i remove something stupid that he's added to the campaign through sheer will and negotiation and sometimes he just rolls really well um i still take it out of the book because they he he convinced me that I said it was okay one day to put a fire hose on top of the van that shot out like blisteringly hot coffee at people. And somehow I guess I let that happen probably just for fun because I was like, Hey, you know, whatever, we're playing a game. It's going to be fun. I'll take it out of the book. And recently he's like, Oh yeah. And a couple issues. Doesn't my like coffee truck show up? And I was like, that's not going to book. Yeah. Yeah. Nice well, try. <laughs> I, I, I had that. Yeah, I know you did. You had it for one one session, and I took it away. You he's had like, it because well, I allowed it. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, but it's totally functional. And he gives me the reasons of how it would work. And I was like, this is a Ninja Turtles. You're not going to get that. He's like, Chris, it is Ninja Turtles. It's just with people. Um, so Caliber's Corner exists for those stupid things that he continually tries to argue should be in the book. Mm -hmm. I, I put them in a comic strip at the very end of the book. So they exist. And either they're going to be hearsay, oh, did you hear that he did that? Or they just, you know, there's stories that exist out there that are still being told. So his shenanigans are, you know, still forever um, put on paper. But they don't have to happen with our, within our story and kind of derail what we're trying to do. <laughs> um, but none of them really try to, to, to mess with anything. 
they'll mess with me. Their last session was like a week and a half ago we played and they did something really stupid and I put my head down and actually right now I'm a player in the game right now. Brad's DMing because um, I won't I won't get into why he's DMing. You'll find out in about 20 books. But um, he's I'm a player and I have my own character, my own hero. And they do something really stupid in the game. I just put my head down. I'm like, oh man. They're like, you're mad because you have to draw that now, huh? I was like, yep, I got to figure out how to draw that. So they always put something in there that challenges my, my artistic ability. How's it feel and, to be uh, kind of behind the dice now instead of being uh, the one that's kind of the dungeon master being one of the players now? Yeah, I have a character that shows up. Um, he's already been mentioned, actually. He was mentioned in book three and he was mentioned in book five. Um, I play the character seven. So he's a mysterious person right now, just by name, but he's been mentioned twice. I show up, I want to say in book 12 or 13, I'll show up. And I'm literally myself, I wear a suit and I I'm a chronicler. Like my whole job is like keeping track of all this, the crazy stuff they do. <laughs> so I get to play, you know, myself. You're like I, breaking I the fourth wall almost, right? Kind of. Um, I wanted, I wanted someone so um, I create, the, there's a group that does show up towards, uh, actually in book seven, they'll get brought up and introduced. And he's part of this secret group that knows more about crit than they know about themselves. And um, is kind of confused as to how they're here now when they shouldn't be certain, you know, just like, you know, your kind's kind of extinct. How did you guys get powers? You mm -hmm. know, so I question a lot of things about them, but I'm studying them, chronicling them, because in my in my little group that I'm in, that's my job. Um, every everyone has a different number, and if, if you ever watch uh, Kingsman, everybody has a different role at the table, and so my character number seven has the role of, you know, babysitting <laughs> these guys. <laughs> oh, that is and, awesome! I love that. Yeah. Later on, I. I I do once I started playing um, because you know this organization does have lots of cool high-tech weaponry and mm -hmm. I I described them as like kind of like men in black ish and so I was like well if I'm gonna be out in the field I need weapons and so I designed a character I just I, I took the the guy and and uh, Brad was like well instead of making a new character to play why don't you just take seven and give him cool weaponry and then you can play like the techie guy and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. So I get to have all these cool tech weapons. And now he's DMing me. And I was like, yeah, so I have this cool helmet. It does this. He goes, no, you don't. That wouldn't work. No, you're not going to. Damn. So now yeah, I get the to. The rules know. are reversed. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still my, my game. So I can. <laughs> you just going in the book gonna, either way. <laughs> I wore this helmet that kind of like retracted and did this cool thing. And he was like, nope, you can't have it. I'm like, why? He goes, because that technology's stupid and I don't like, like he was just pulling a me on it. Mm -hmm. And so he, he required me to take the mask on and off. And I told him, I was like, you know, when I draw this, I'm going to draw it with a track retracting headset. And he goes, yeah, you're going to send me the artwork. I'm going to erase it and set it back. <laughs> Dang, savage. We have uh, Dan Price over on YouTube saying, love the cover. I think the cover is gorgeous. Um, loving yeah. the colors as well, man. Yeah, um, so the cover for book six was done by a good friend of ours, Lewis, who did um, some work for Dan as well. And I just shot the concept over to Lewis and, and was like, hey, can you do something like this? It, you know, the big jump for book six, the big giant robot, and it's holding two of the guys. And we went back and forth a few times. And um, 
the final outcome was just absolutely amazing. Really excited. And everyone's asking me, how does a big giant robot go in with caffeinated, you know, this coffee truck idea? And I just, you know, just just read the book. It'll it'll explain itself. Um, but yeah, so running their own coffee business ends up with them fighting a big giant 20 foot robot. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I think right now is the perfect time for us to begin wrapping things up. So Chris, before we do that completely, what's next for you? Is it just going to be working on Crit as a whole, or uh, you mentioned another uh, D and D uh, project that uh, you were uh, in the works? Yes. Yeah, so um, you know, as as long as we hit the stretch goals, which we should, um, Mr. Wizard will continue to get published at the end of the, book, uh, the you know the next books. You'll get four pages at a time, and then when we have enough to make one book, I'll release it by itself. I really don't want to separate my fan base you know i don't i want i don't want readers to have to chase multiple books mm -hmm. um in the indie community it's really tough because you've got a lot of people with so many different stories i want crit to just exist i want our story to exist here and you get both the you know their tv show side side story in with the book um you know i don't i don't perceive myself publishing that separately until we'd hit that point i want to Print is my focus. It will always be my focus because I I've got 42 books planned, and uh, that is one hell of a run too. We're only on book seven, and it's six uh, hours a book too, right? Like that is yes. woo. Oh, We've man. got over 400 hours just in the creation of the game. We've been playing the game for four years, and we're at the very end of the story. That's what one of the reasons why Brad and I switched was. Um, I wanted some elements in the end of the story that he's familiar with actually DMing. Uh, and I wanted to challenge the, the guys a little bit. He's better at challenge. I, I play like sometimes too nice. And he was like, you need to challenge them. I'm like, well, then mm -hmm. you do. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the, we're, we're at the very tail end of crit right now. Um, I'm actually getting ready to plan the next campaign after crit. That's how close we are to really. How's it feel? Is it like uh, bittersweet? It is and it isn't. Um, I feel like we've told once once this is over, we've told the story, and that is an accomplishment to me for a couple reasons. Most D and D campaigns don't go past four sessions, let alone four years. So that's a big deal to me that I was able to get four grown ass men with wives and kids mm -hmm. to dedicate six hours a month to playing Dungeons and Dragons. And then on top of it, creating a comic book, who I, I call them at least once a week with questions. So I'm annoying them for comic book stuff. I'm taking their time to play D&D &D, and not one of them has a really back down. So I'm glad to see it come to an end. And the next you know, version of the, the story we're gonna tell or the next story that we're going to un unfold, it, it's gonna be in space and it's gonna be sci-fi and you know, the only rule that I was given was if I don't care what we do as long as there's magic. Um, Austin Spectre's character, he refuses to play anything but a magic wielder. So he's <laughs> like, if you want me to play, you'll put magic in there. I'm like, but magic wouldn't exist in this story I'm telling. And he goes, we'll figure it out. That's how I'll play. He's like, you need four people. <laughs> yep. And, that, and that's what he said. He was like, if you want me to play, you'll figure out how to put magic in there. He's like, I don't care if it's tech-based magic. As long as I can throw a fireball at something, I'm fine. <laughs> no, that is awesome. So, so Chris, before, oh, go ahead. No, so that's just what I'm working on after crit. But I don't, 
I don't foresee myself, um, you know, unless unless somehow it explodes, you know, because then I do have room for more ideas because the team will grow. But for right now, where we stand, you know, we're just going to keep chugging along at these 42 books. And I really want to, I express that because I think it's important for people to know where the story's going mm-hmm. so that you can kind of get in and, and, and enjoy the ride because every chapter is different. And like you said, every, every single issue stands on its own in its own, its own little different world. So. No, that is awesome. So, uh, Chris, before we wrap things up completely, you know the drill. I always love ending the show on a strong note, and that is asking you um, for a piece of advice. So I think with this time around, um, after hearing that, you know, you put a a, a tremendous amount of work into this, I think uh, we got a, a nice question in particular. So for anyone that is watching that might be struggling with balancing their workload, uh, you know, fighting against burnout, you know what I mean? Um, what would be your biggest piece of advice for that? As someone who's like done 90% of the work for this, I'm sure you've had to, to fight that a, a handful of times. Actually, yeah. End of book four, beginning of book five, end of book five, even into now. Um, I fight burnout like you wouldn't believe. But I also work two full-time jobs and I'm like a kid. I'm doing a reunion show with my band in two weeks, and I work for a film company every here and there as well. So I'm extremely busy, and I get burned out on stuff pretty often. I just put it down. Um, I care about everything that I do. I'm very passionate about everything I do. Doesn't mean I'm gonna love it every single minute. And so if I hit a point where artistically, I just, I, I can't see it, I close it, I get fresh eyes on it. I'll turn my PlayStation on, I'll go read a book, I'll go watch (laughs) Stranger Things. And that's really the thing that I try to do is I go back to where my inspiration came from to begin with. And I'm always gonna like Star Wars, um, the original trilogy. I'll love that till the day I die because it just, as a child, it it holds a special place in my heart no matter how cheesy it can be sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Mass Effect, I'll play that, you know, if if I'm really struggling. I'll go play Mass Effect and remember like some of the, you know, the the memories of that will come back like, oh yeah, cool, I can do this. Um, you know, or Metal Gear, or I'll sit and watch some kind of sci-fi with my wife. Stranger mm-hmm. Things is like our show. I watch, I just, I find something that I'm interested at that moment that doesn't have anything to do with my book. And I just do that until that spark comes back because when I'm, when I'm in that mode where I'm around something that inspired me to begin with, I'm going to be reminded somewhere along the way or inspired again, even if I've seen the show or movie a hundred times, something always clicks. I'm going to go, Oh, I can do that. And then I'll go back to it. So if you get burned out, just go back to your roots and, you know, go back to what inspired you to begin with and just buckle down. It'll come back to you eventually. No, I, I appreciate that. I think that is some awesome advice and, it definitely helps taking a step away, getting a breath, and kind of just getting rejuvenated, right? You got to rebuild, rekindle that passion that, that keeps you going. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, breaking crit uh, down. This was such an awesome uh, show to get you back on. I'm very excited to hear that you're doing that reunion show. I bet is awesome getting uh, up yeah, on the stage again, man. Huge. Um, my wife is actually taking on vocal duties. Our singer um, could not come back, and it's it's actually really cool to be able to share that with her. And, yeah. Uh, I think we may be sticking together after this and under a new name. Uh, oh, dude, let's go, man. Yeah. Although my, my other guitarist is re- absolutely ridiculous. He works in a professional recording studio. He, um, he does some, some big albums that are out there right now. And yeah, so, so, you know, we're, we might, we're, we're, we're tossing it around. We're looking in a few different directions. 
Dude, and let's go. That's so awesome. Congratulations yeah. on that. They, they want to do like periphery meets some kind of funk jazz stuff meets a lot of really heavy breakdowns with some 80s female singing. I don't know I'm how that's for that. Sound, I'm there for that. <laughs> you had me so the periphery. Exactly <laughs> Yeah, dude, congratulations. Well, everyone watching, it is new comic book day. Here is the link to the sign up. We're looking to break 50 today, so just get in there, sign it up. You have nothing to lose. That being said, it is time for us to end. I hope you have a lovely Wednesday night, but most importantly, keep it geekly.